had a baby. We have a grandbaby that's three months old. And uh, because she's my daughter, during that pregnancy, I, I would take the liberty of just talking to her belly, you know, and I would say, hi, it's grandma, and talk to, talk to our little grandson. His, his name she married a Greek guy, and his name is Athanasios. So his name is way bigger than he is, for sure. So we call him Nasi. But I, I, was, I, I began bonding with him from the moment of his conception because I would just, you know, rub her belly and talk to her. And then I got to be in the birthing room. So I was there right when he came. And, uh, and now I'm watching him a couple days a week, and Tom and I are, are just so blessed. And, and so much, there's such a bond and such a love between us. And, and I, you know, that's the bond and the love that we have here at City Light, because um, we were here involved in the conception a little bit. So... <laughs> And the, the birthing process, and and now the the um, watching watching the growth, and and there's such a, a like a supernatural bond and love that we have here at City Light. So so we're so blessed every time we're here. We love you so much, and we're so proud of City Light in the right sense of the word. You know, not we know all glory to God. I mean, we never would give man credit for what God does. Amen? You don't ever want to do that. But what is going on here is so exciting because in the very DNA of this church is winning souls. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry to say that, that that's not always the case. You know, there's lots of, lots of different, uh, different dynamics. And I, I was thinking about a story that I heard one time about a man who was looking out over the ocean. He's standing on, on this uh, rocky shore, and he's looking out at the ocean, just enjoying the evening and, and the beautiful vastness of the ocean. And he looked a little closer, and he saw that there was actually someone out in the water who was like flailing and, and crying for help. And, and so he dove in that water and he, and he pulled that person to shore and to safety. And then he thought, I wonder how many other people are, are actually out here drowning that no one even knows about. So he began going out there on a regular basis. And sure enough, there were, there were people that were just out in the, out in the stormy water, just flailing around, and he would bring them in. And pretty soon he thought, I, we need, I need help. 
you know, so, so he got a few other people to come and help him. And, and, and now on a regular basis, they were diving in the water. They were pulling people to shore and the rescue team got bigger and bigger. And pretty soon they thought we need blankets. So now there was a whole blanket committee and people started wrapping these people up in blankets. And then someone else said, we need to feed these people. So they built a shelter and started feeding the people. And, and, uh, more and more and more people kind of got onto the rescue team because it was pretty exciting. And so they're feeding people and then they thought we need to do this a little nicer. So they started getting like linens and built a great bigger, much bigger shelter. And and then somebody else said, we really should have some music going. So so they started getting music going and 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 pretty soon, you know, everybody just wanted to come to this place because it was magnificent. So so the crowd just got bigger and bigger and bigger and the music was so great and the food was so great and everybody was having such a great time that they weren't hearing people crying for help that were drowning anymore. Can that be our churches sometimes? Amen. Because church is great. And we come here and we leave so uplifted. And, we, and we, the music is excellent, by the way. And the muffins are so amazing. And and we love each other, and it's so great. But are we are we are we forgetting what how what what how, what was the purpose of the church to be started in the first place? What was the purpose of the Holy Spirit to come upon the disciples in the first place? It wasn't so you feel the power of God, which is good. But he says, I'm going to give you power so that you can go out and proclaim my name. I'm going to give you power so that you can go out with signs and wonders and, and, and rescue those that are out drowning. Well, I thank God that in my life, someone rescued me. And uh, in my own personal life, I just felt like I should give my testimony as I start out down our little adventure here of evangelism, because I was not raised in the church. I didn't have any spiritual basis in my life at all, and I had a majorly dysfunctional dysfunctional home, as most of us did. <laughs> How about if you had a functional home, raise your hand, you know, because <laughs> that, that would be... <laughs> Those are few and far between, so I'm not saying I'm this unique person, you know, alcoholic father, parents divorced when I was five, stepfather didn't really want children with the package of the marriage. So so I spent a lot of my childhood with a with a big father void in my life. And a father void is what causes so much behavioral issues in people's lives. The father issue causes behavioral issues. And that was me in my life. So as a teenager, you know, looking to fill that void, which so many of us and so many people, everyone out there is trying to fill that void. I tried to fill it with drugs, with unhealthy relationships, with all, all of the things that began a destroying of my life. So, you know, God has a beautiful plan for your life. We all know that. A plan of beauty and and good things and light and love. And then the enemy has a plan for all of our lives, which is to lie to us, to destroy us, to bring darkness and decay and destruction in our lives. And that's where I was at the age of 19, finding myself steeped in drugs, 
upset about all of my choices in life, knowing that I was smart and that I, I had potential and I had I had could have had such a bright future, but felt that at the young age of 19, my life was ruined and I was steeped in this lifestyle that I did not know how to get out of. Anyone else? That? I didn't know how. It's like, this is who I am. I don't know how to change. And I would wake up every morning. I, w- I was edging towards that point of despair, not wanting to live any longer, hopelessness. That's where my life was. Waking up in the morning with that pit in my stomach, why was I born me? Why couldn't I have been someone else? Why did I have to be doomed to be Nancy? And I would wake up really just dreading the day. But it was during the hippie movement, and so everything spiritual was enticing. You know, so we were on this spiritual quest back in the early 70s. So I was opening myself up to the occult. I was opening myself up to Eastern religion. Anything spiritual that came down the pike was very cool, you know, because really, ultimately, we were all looking for some kind of elusive spirituality through sinful lifestyle (laughs) because it was a counterfeit. Love, peace, community. You know, the whole hippie movement was everything that the New Testament is, except it was a counterfeit with destructive behavior. So my friend called me up and she said, two of my friends just came back from Arizona. They were hitchhiking out west. And that was what everybody did. Tom did it. I did it. (laughs) You know, you go out west. So they got saved in Tucson, Arizona, and the Lord sent them back to Toledo to tell their high school friends about Jesus. So she said, I have these two friends that want to talk to us, and they're Jesus freaks, and they want to talk to us. And I'm like, oh, far out, you know. (laughs) So (laughs) that's exactly what I said. (laughs) So you have to remember that all around me, was darkness. All around me was literally people dying, people shooting up, people, you know, stealing, people, you know, just like everyone around me was just in darkness and death hovering, all of my friends. So these two guys, they came to my house. I've never met them before because she and I didn't go to the same school So my doorbell rings, and I go to the front door, and I opened the front door, and there were these two guys standing there that had hair down to here, patches all over their jeans, but they had the light of Jesus pouring out of their faces. And before they said one word to me, I thought, that's what I want. Amen. So they came into my house and sat me down. And this is the scripture that the Lord gave to this young man. He said to me, how would you like to start all over again? 
And I said, well, who wouldn't want to do that? How do you do that? And he said, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things pass away. All things become new. And he proceeded to tell me how to pray and ask God to forgive me and to receive Jesus as my Savior and ask me, do you want to pray? And this is how much faith I had. I looked at him and I said, I hope what you're telling me is true. Because I'd been lied to, I'd been taken advantage of, I'd been abused, kicked to the curb, and I said, I just hope what you're telling me is true. So I prayed that prayer, didn't feel anything telling you the truth. He said, read your Bible. Do you have a Bible? I said, I think so. Somewhere in this house, there's a Bible. So I went to bed that night, and I woke up the next morning, and that pit was gone. And I was washed, and I was clean. And I woke up and thought, what happened to me? What is this? Now, they went back to Tucson. They just said, read a Bible, pray where to go to church, and God's going to just help you. So that was, I, none of my friends were Christians. You know, didn't have any church, didn't have anything. So I just read the Bible, and it just was like, you know, just like power dynamite. I would read it, and the words would just be like, whoa, you know, I mean, I was just like, the Holy Spirit was just took my life. He took my life, and he transformed me from the inside out where, where, oh, don't want to do that anymore. Oh, Oh, Jesus, the word Jesus Christ used to come out of my mouth every other. Now it's Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus the Christ, you know, instead of, you know, you know, and, uh, and all of a sudden nobody had to sit me down and say, now Nancy, you don't want to be doing drugs anymore. You don't want to be doing this anymore. You don't. The Holy Spirit was inside of me and he transformed my life. And, and all the people around me were ready to commit me to a mental institution because she finally really went crazy because I was kind of crazy before that, unstable, and, you know, people were worried about me. And and now all I did was just talk about Jesus, you know. Had my Bible everywhere I went, you know. I was just carrying my Bible, you know. And and I don't know, I didn't know what hit me. But I loved him so much. I loved him so much. And, you know, maybe that is is, uh, one of the reasons why it's so important for us to never forget the work that Jesus has done in our lives. Because it's what, you know, he who is forgiven loves much. If you've forgiven much, you love much. Amen? Second Corinthians 5, 18 to 20 says this. And see, this is what's so awesome is he takes our life and he saves us. And then we're on a mission. We're on the mission. Great. Okay. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. So I was an enemy of God. I wouldn't have called myself an enemy of God, but I was an enemy of God. I would, you know, I would like make fun of Christians. I really did. I mock them. I'd make fun of them. I'd like, oh, you know, and on and on. But, but he reconciled me to himself. It's like, 
War's over, Nancy. You know, <laughs> I'm not warring against God anymore. You know, I'm reconciled to him. And then he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, I, I want to do like a, just a little, little mini expose on what reconciliation means. What it means is that we were sinful man. God longed to have fellowship with us and be in our lives and have us walk with him. But our sin kept us away from a holy God who cannot fellowship and be in unity with sin. So since we couldn't pay that debt... You know, he sent Jesus, his son, to pay because debts have to be paid. Debts, for a just God, for a holy God, debts have to be paid. So our good deeds and all we would try to do to get close to God is like monopoly money, trying to pay a million-dollar debt, you know, pink, green, and orange, you know, that has absolutely no value whatsoever. Amen? Amen? So Jesus paid our debt. Amen. Amen. And so we're reconciled. Mankind is reconciled to God. And our trespasses are no longer imputed to us. Just a little reconciliation teaching 101 here. But now, it says, and he's committed. That means entrusted. That means endeared us to the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you, we beseech you, we beg you, be reconciled to God. That's what the ministry he's given to us. That's what we're called to do is to be the reconciler between man and God because of the, we're his ambassadors. And Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the light, but you are the light of the world. So he, we're kind of it, you know, unless somebody's got a, you know, walking along the road and they have a, God experience where, you know, God just shows up in a burning bush or something. I mean, you know, God is saying, this is my plan. It's you. Here's my plan. And it be you. (laughs) So that's who we're called to be. But what keeps us, you know, what keeps us from just having this be our life and breath and every single day we wake up in the morning and this is our mission because I believe if I'm reading the scripture right, that that's what God, how God wants us to live. So we're going to look at a few of our, the believer's misconceptions, you know, all of us, some misconceptions we have that might hinder us from, from going forth and being his ambassadors. And the first one that Christians tend to think of is, I don't have the gift of evangelism. A lot of people think, oh, I'm a server, or oh, I'm an intercessor, or I'm a exhorter, or I'm a this, or I'm a that. I, I don't have the gift of evangelism. That's somebody else's job. 
But if you have witnessed something, you are a witness. If you witness an accident, you saw it, you experienced it, you're a witness. If you have witnessed the changing power of Jesus Christ in your life, you are a witness versus the gift of of an evangelist. Now, there are a lot of people that, you know, famous people that we know that are do have, they are evangelists. They have the gift of evangelism. They, they have big crusades, and they're the ones that, you know, have the altar calls, and everybody comes forth. Yes, that is the gift of evangelism. But we are witnesses. We're witnesses. We're witnesses to the goodness and the glory of God in our lives, and we understand what it means to have the saving power of Jesus in our lives. And, you know, there's, there's a, a difference between being a witness and, and witnessing. And I think we kind of trip up on witnessing. You know, because witnessing uh, uh, is, we, our perception of witnessing is like, well, I heard, this, I heard this quote one time, and it was in a book by, I think, Rebecca Rippert, and she says that the one thing that non-Christians and Christians have in common is they both hate evangelism. <laughs> now, why do we both hate evangelism? Well, because it gets weird. We make it weird. And so, so like Christians hate evangelism because they think that they have to, they, instead of just being a witness, ver, noun, they have to witness Verb. Are you following me with your grammar? Okay, so, so somehow a lot of times Christians think, okay, I'm getting ready to witness. You know, I'm going to witness now. And they get a, like a radio voice and get kind of weird. And, and so then the, then the non-Christian is like, they don't like evangelism because like something really weird is happening right now. What is this? Our conversation just went from a natural flow to something kind of weird, you know? So, so I hope by the time we end next week, it's just going to be like we get into this organic, you know, witness instead of a synthetic witness. Okay, so we're lifestyle evangelism uh, book is says evangelism is expressing what I possess and explaining how I came to possess it. That's pretty easy, right? It's like this is what happened to me. This is what happened to me. Just like I gave my testimony, that's what happened to me. That's, that's personally what happened to me. And I think of the, the woman at the well. She had this encounter with Jesus, the Samaritan woman. And he, he had insight. You know, he, he's the, the, you know, he is God in the flesh. So he's telling, talking to her about, um, oh, yeah, you know, um, go get your husband. Oh, that's not my husband. And, she's like, and, and he's like, well, I really know that. And, you, and the man you're living with now isn't your husband, and you've actually had four husbands, you know. And she's, he's just in her mess, you know. He's just messing with her story and everything. But what happens? She, this, is, this is what she did. She ran into the town, and she said, come and see the man that told me everything I've ever done. And the whole town got saved. She didn't run into town and say, you need to worship God in spirit and in truth, and the Messiah has come. And, you know, I mean, she, she just said, come and see the man who told me everything I already did, you know. And, and a whole entire town got saved. I think of the blind man that was healed. And, you know, the, the, all the religious officials are grilling him and asking him, well, what did he believe and what did he say? And, what, and he goes, hey, all I know is I was blind and now I see. 
Okay. That's all. I've been just telling you, I couldn't see. Now I can. Check him out. You know, you might want him in your life, you know. So, all right. Second misconception that leads us to uh, kind of pulling back from evangelism is that we think evangelism is difficult. But the original Greek word for evangelism is euangelizo, which simply means to announce good news. Announce good news. And one of the church's pitfalls, one of believers' pitfalls, is that we tend to focus on our method instead of our message. Okay, you have a message. And to share that message, you don't have to quote verbatim every single, you know, spiritual, uh, theological doctrine there is in the Bible. You don't necessarily have to be able to quote uh, every. Bible verse, there is, in fact, I've found that, that people who don't know Jesus, if you start bombarding them with Bible verses, they're going to recoil because they don't care about the Bible yet. <laughs> they will. It's going to be life and bread and food and drink to them. But yet, so far, they don't even believe that the Bible is anything but a contradictory nonsensical book that a bunch of old men wrote, you know. So, so, but your story is powerful. The this is what happened to me. Come and see, this is what happened to me. Amen? So as I said before, rather than a staged presentation, we need to have a natural flow out of our lives with people that we encounter But I want to say, too, that at the same time, it's good on your own to write out your story. To write out your story, just as a discipline for your own life. To really say, how did I really get saved? You know, how did I really come to know Jesus? And take some time to write it out, not as a script to use, but so you can kind of, you know, order your own thoughts on the matter. And then boil it down so that you can tell your story in under two minutes. Now, I took a little lengthy liberty this morning because I'm, I'm, I'm with, you know, my brothers and sisters and I wanted to give you all the juicy, you know, details of what God did in my life, you know, but, but I have done that. And my testimony that I shared with you this morning, I have down to one minute and 29 seconds. Because you have an encounter with someone, and you start in, I was born in Toledo, Ohio, and I went when I was three, I, you know, and they're like, you know, but enough about me. What do you think about me? You know? <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I so appreciated, we were here Testimony Sunday, where Jasmine and Joshua and I think Jay and was that all ever yeah and and you know that was a Sunday to really go into your story and and where's Joshua and yeah and is Jasmine here this morning I don't think she is but anyway Jay happy birthday is it your birthday today somebody told me it was is it Woo! so the last time we hear we got to hear about your spiritual birthday and today we get to wish you a happy birthday I hope you have a really happy day today and they did such an excellent job. And the other thing that, that I loved about every single one of your testimonies is it brought glory to God. 
You know, because we can get, our stories can be like the whole, you know, people can walk away from us. We don't want them to walk away from us saying, wow, she was really bad. You know, I mean, <laughs> we want them to walk away saying, wow, God is really good. You know, so, so uh, kind of, you know, look at what you're saying and write it out. And it's just a good little exercise. I, I highly recommend it. Okay, and then the third misconception as Christians that we have is on a, about our success rate. What if nobody gets saved? You know, because we have a tendency to think that we have to pray the prayer, you know, sign the deal, you know, <laughs> cinch it, or we weren't successful in sharing our faith and in our evangelism and sharing the gospel. Bill Fay is, a, is an amazing um, uh, expert on evangelism, and he said success isn't leading someone to Christ. Success is acting out your Christian life sharing the gospel, and trusting God for the results. It makes it pretty simple, you know. And typically, this, this is going to really encourage you. Typically, a person will hear the gospel presented to them nine times before they make that decision to follow Christ. So, one plants, you know, you might, when you, when you, encounter someone and you have that glorious opportunity of of sharing the Lord with somebody, it might be a time where you're planting seed. One waters. You know, the next opportunity that you have to share your story, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, you might be watering. And then every now, and God, in the meantime, it's God, the Holy Spirit, that's giving the increase, amen. And then every once in a while, we have that, once in a great while, we have that amazing opportunity of praying someone right into the kingdom. Amen. So don't be weary in (laughs) well-doing. You know, keep, you know, throwing the seed and keep watering because you might be that eight, number eight, you know? Like, I mean, what if I'm number eight and tomorrow God's going to send somebody else in their life and who's the greater? Nobody. We're all partakers of the harvest, amen, because we're willing to share the good news of Jesus Christ and God gives the increase. And this next one, I think, is the biggest misconception in our day in this hour, and that is that people aren't hungry for God. Because everything in our society points to that concept. People don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to look at Christians. They're like, they don't want to hear what churches are doing because there's such an anti-God mentality in our society. But I am telling you that when they go home at night, and their hearts are breaking, or their business just failed, or this, that, or the other thing. They don't know where their kid is. They're hungry for God. They're hungry for God. So don't fall for the lie that says, because Satan, I I believe this is his biggest trick right now in in the body of Christ, that we don't be offensive. We We have such barriers you know, like societal imposed barriers in our lives right now. We really do. It's a barrier society right now. You don't even feel the liberty to call somebody without texting them and saying, can you talk? Am I right? I, I, 
it's like, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't just call him. I need to, can you talk, you know, please, can you talk to me? I mean, you know, what's wrong with us? You know, we, we just have these beers, let alone, you know, sharing the gospel with somebody. You know, oh, religion, that's offensive. But all kinds of people everywhere are hungry for God. They might not even know that's what they're hungry for. I didn't know what I was hungry for. But I was hungry for God. I was hungry for my Father. I was hungry for my Savior. And I was hard-hearted and a mess. But somebody just barged right through that and didn't look at my outer appearance and shared the love of Christ with me. You know, the other day I was at Starbucks and, and I thought, I'm going to try that pay it back thing. You know, I'm going to buy the people's coffees that are in the car behind me. And I got all, you know, kind of excited about it. And, and uh, so I'm at the one at Westgate. So I'm at, the, I'm at the window and I said, and I'd like to buy the car behind me's coffee or whatever their order is. And she goes, okay. So I'm like sitting there, I'm looking at my rear view mirror, picturing like a single mom with 10 kids, you know, you know, scrambling all over. And around the corner comes a blonde tennis girl in a BMW. And I'm like, oh man. You know, I mean, I was like, what are the chances of that? You know, I thought, and then, yeah, well, true. But then the, the Lord just kind of started speaking to me. You know, like, what she's going to think, this, you know, this, like, whatever you want to call her, this, you know, wow, woman, you know, rich and beautiful and, you know, all that, bought, you know, bought me a, my tea, you know. And the Lord just started speaking to me, saying, more than anyone, she needed that today. And I just started like, okay, Lord, come on, give it to me. You know, tell me about this girl, you know. He's like, everywhere she goes, people expect her to pay because she has a whole bunch of money. And she's always the one that's, you know. And somebody just bought her Starbucks, you know. So then I was like, sweet, you know. (laughs) You know, Mother Teresa ministered to the poorest of the poor, And she said, even the rich are hungry for love, for being cared for, for being wanted, for having someone to call their own. Don't ever think because of an outward appearance, oh, that person doesn't think they need Jesus. You know, that person doesn't need God. They have everything. They have it going on. What do do I have to share with that person? Jesus, the lover of their soul the one who's going to bring more into their life than the money and the, you know, the success and all that stuff that's so shallow and everybody knows it once they've gotten there. Amen? It's almost worse, I would think, for, for people to work so hard. and, and work. There used to be this song. This is way, really, okay, I'm really old. But anyway, <laughs> this old, no, no, not we are family, honey, but if you'd like to get back up and do that again, that was amazing a couple weeks ago, yes. Oh, yes, that was. But no, 
No, that song that says, is that all there is? You know, there was an old song, is that all there is? You know, it's about somebody who, you know, they finally make it to the top. They've got all the money. They got the cars. They got the houses. And guess what? Their heart's still empty. Amen? Because we know what everyone needs, and it's Jesus in their life. And everywhere you go, there are people who are hungry for God. We were, this is just a fun little story. We were down in uh, Florida on a vacation, and uh, we were down where, at where you go, Sue. I think, did they give us the, the condo? Did you give us the timeshare as a blessing one year? Yeah, it was our anniversary. So thanks. <laughs> and we were staying in Sue and Mike's timeshare uh, years ago. And uh, so, so they have, on Thursday night, they have karaoke night at this timeshare. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who really can't sing at all that do karaoke. I never really realized that because we're not in the karaoke scene, but it's really overrated. <laughs> so, but anyway, we're, we're sitting there, and Tom, of course, got up, and he was like, Lord, I was born a rambling man. I mean, he, like, man, the people were like, Wah! you know, they're like, he was like, you know, Man, the crowd was like in the palm of his hand, just like here a few weeks ago with We Are Family, you know, and, and people were like cheering and cheering. I'm like, okay, I, I want to sing, you know. I'm going to sing something. And I'm like, Lord, well, not that you weren't spiritual, honey, because you always are, but I, you know, it's just like kind of that, you know, if I have a microphone and I'm in front of people that don't know Jesus, I got to figure something out, you know. So I'm like, you know, what can I do? What can I do? Well, then I remembered that, and this is making me old again, too. But does anybody remember the House of the Rising Sun? There is a house in New Orleans. It's about a house of prostitution, basically. But what you might not know is that Amazing Grace fits perfectly to that song. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So I'm thinking, I go up to the guy, the DJ guy, and I said, I, said, uh, I want to do House of the Rising Sun. And he's like, Okay, you know, so, like, is she drumming up business, or what's she doing here, you know? Why would she want to be doing that? So, anyway, I got up, you know, and I start singing. There is a house, or no, the amazing grace, how sweet the sun. So, then I go in, you know, through many dangers, toils, and snares. I have already come to his grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace, you know, and then, I mean, I even went into the one, we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shiny, you know, okay, so I do the whole song, I mean, the Holy Spirit was just on me, it was amazing, wasn't it, honey? Yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, I was just like, whoa, you know, and, uh, and so <clears throat> I got done, I sat down, I'm like, okay, that was pretty weird, <laughs> but <laughs> that was pretty crazy. <laughs> So this guy, after we're getting ready to leave, this guy comes up to me. <laughs> okay. He's like round, you know, <laughs> and very tan, <laughs> bald, and lots of gold chains with hairy chest, you know. So you got to picture it. Okay. And, uh, and he comes up to me, bawling, like, oh, I haven't heard that song in 30 years. Just crying. God, the Holy Spirit just, he was on. Um, done. I mean, totally, completely undone. And like, I got to get back to church. And I, you know, I mean, it, the Holy Spirit just like, vroom, you know, touched him. And then the rest of the week, we'd be sitting in the hot tub or something. He'd come up, he just began confessing his sins to us all week. And I'm like, 
you know, but anyway, more, yeah, to TMI, but anyway, um, it was awesome, you know, just from, just, you know, people are hungry. My point is, people are hungry. Who He was a truck driver, retired, and there he was, Speedy, you know, with his gold chains and tan and everything, and God just like, wow, just, I mean, repentance, you know, and a spirit of repentance, just like, you know, all week long, you know, t- wanting to talk about the Lord all week, you know, we were there. It was so awesome. People are hungry. And then the... the I already kind of mentioned number five is that the misconception is that we think that people are going to be offended. And let me just say that people have been offended. People have been offended because Christians, I'm, this is a generalization and don't take it offense by it, but Christians have a tendency to address people's behavior instead of the state of their soul. And I honestly don't get it. Because you can be the most upstanding citizen, best parent, live your life perfectly, and if you don't have Jesus, you're going to hell. If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you are going to go to hell. And people who are entrenched in bondages and issues and heartbreak and all these things in their life, and we go straight for what they need to change in their life or, or how God can, you know, God can, you know, do change your behavior in this area if you would let him. You know, if somebody, well, I did have people approach me, and, and I thought, I don't know how to change. That sounds good, but okay, I'm going to change. Okay, well, I'm just going to change. No, but we have to go f- for the cracks in their souls. You go for their, the heart of the matter, not the behavior. So when people are so offended, it's because we have lacked two things. We've lacked love and we've lacked respect. Jesus always respected everyone that he encountered. The woman caught in adultery. I love this illustration. They threw her down on the ground, and she's down there on the ground, and they all have their rocks and Bible verses in their hands. And she's down on the ground alone, and everybody's hovering over her. And what did Jesus do? He came along, and he he went right down. He knelt down with her. He joined her. And then he started writing, and then he says, you know, he with, who's without sin, throw this, go ahead, have at it, you know. Any of you who don't have any sin, you know, hurl away. And they all just dropped their stones, and they left their rocks. And then he said to her, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no man, Lord. And he said this, neither do I condemn you. But go and don't sin anymore. Amen. When we talk down to people, when we're condemning, when we're judging, it's offensive. But when we take interest in a person's life, tell me about your life. Now, how did you 
get to the place that you're in now. Like taking genuine love, interest, and respect into a person's life. What you're doing is you're earning passageway into their life. You've just earned. The gate is being opened because you didn't kick it down. They opened it for you because you felt safe. Because of respect and because of love. I have another Mother Teresa quote. Can you tell that I stumbled on a little Mother Teresa (laughs) blog thing? But anyway, she's amazing. (laughs) It says, if you judge people, you'll have no time to love them. I love that. If you judge people, you won't have any time to love them. All right, our next challenge is now that that's all the believers' misconceptions, and now we have we have a big challenge, which is people's misconception of Christians and of God himself. And we're at a bit of a disadvantage in this time of uh, our nation because of all of people's bad experiences, and Christians are painted getting a really bad rap in the media. Some of it is well-deserved. I'm just going to be honest, you know, some of it because of, I don't know what, but why people behave the way they do. But um, the media's portrayal of Christians. So so we have to tear down the misconception of who Jesus is by presenting who the real Jesus is. You know, who the real Jesus is. Like each one of us have that opportunity day in and day out in every day life to be his ambassador. If you're an ambassador of the United States of America... In a, in a foreign land, you have a responsibility to accurately represent what America stands for and what we believe in America. And if you're an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a responsibility to accurately represent the heart of God and who Jesus is and how he wants to be reconciled. So, so one of the best verses to get it back in our minds, the truth, is John 3.16, because God so loved the world. You know, not God was so fed up and frustrated with the world that he sent Jesus to come and slap everybody up the side of the head and get everything the way it was supposed to be. No, it's that he so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I love verse 17 that says, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Basically, you know, the, the average everyday person believes that God is disappointed with them, that he's angry with them, that he's inspecting them, that he's up there just waiting to send the lightning bolt and punish them. You know, that is, that's pretty much people's... Uh, conception of God, and it, and it can be because they, you know, had a bad experience in church, or maybe they had a, somebody in their life that, that you know, called themselves a Christian that was, you know, nasty to them or whatever. But for whatever reason, we are ambassadors to get it going and get it straightened around. Amen? But in order to do that, our own personal conception has to be accurate, Okay, so we have to not think of him as, you know, when we wake up in the morning, God's saying, oh, no, she's up again, you know, what's she going to do today? But that he's waiting, he's singing over us, waiting for us. Amen? So, you know, I love the song, standing here in your presence, 
Thinking of the good things you have done, waiting here patiently, holy, righteous, faithful to the end, my Savior, my healer, my Redeemer, my friend. Instead of thinking, I, I need to be praying more, I need to be fasting more, why do I always do this, why do I never do that? And a religious spirit is going to make you feel guiltier than you felt before you became a Christian. You know, sometimes we get saved and the guilt is worse. Because we have a religious spirit, like, I got to do this and I got to do that. Do I need to wrap it up? Okay, we're getting there. Okay, one more thing. I have to pick and choose here. Okay. I'm going to close with one more scripture. And that says, you know, earlier we sang the song, uh, When You Walk Into the Room. I love that was a beautiful song. When you walk into the room, everything changes. Well, guess what? That's what we're called to be. First Corinthians two fourteen to seventeen. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. And among those who are perishing, to the one were the aroma of death leading to death. In other words, you're carrying the presence of God, the fragrance of God. There are going to be some that go, oh, you know, wow, what is that? And there are going to be others that go, what is that? What is that? Just like me. I want, that's what I want. Not one word spoken. Those two young men standing at my door and it's like, that's what I want. Because the light and the life and the love and the fragrance of Christ overwhelmed me, took my breath away. Amen. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many, we're not peddling the word of God. We're not trying to sell something here but out of sincerity, as from God, we speak in the sight of God and Christ. I think we should be able to change the atmosphere by when we walk into a place and people should look at us and go, what is that? What is that? I've had the blessing of going to New York City a few times to minister in the women's shelters there, and we do a spa day for them where we do their hair and their nails and and foot massage, and, and uh, I was massaging one of these beautiful women's feet, and she said, this place is horrible. She said, I, I, every day I can't see how I'm going to make it another day. She said, there's fights, the police come here every day, they're called here. It's a horrible, dark place. She said, but today, it's like everything's different. It's like the lights are brighter or something. And I said, well, it's because we're bringing Jesus today, and he's the light of the world. And God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So next week, we're going to have practical approaches to reaching people and sharing the good news. And I just want to say that your feet are beautiful. 
How lovely are the feet of them on the mountains who brings good news, proclaiming peace, and who proclaims salvation and says, your God reigns. Amen. You know, you might be a person here today who was where I was at, and your life is in a place where you wish you could change and you don't know how. And I just want to encourage you to just give your life to Christ and just say, I don't know, Lord, what to do. I don't know how to change, but I just want to give my life to you. He's waiting to make your life something so beautiful and something that's got uh, light and life in it. Amen. 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 Nancy's message is, is stirring, and it's simple. And I think it's something that every one of us can take this challenge. You know, I love how she talked about just writing, writing your story down, mm-hmm. how you've come to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know what I think is cool is there may be some here that say, you know what, I don't have a story on how I've come to Christ because I don't know if I've ever made that decision. And I think Nancy's closing statements um, may not be for all of us, but may be for someone in here. And so for just a second, can we just, can we just take a moment? Because you know what? Uh, our, our choice that we make in Christ um, is an invitation of God extending his hand and saying, it's time for, for you to become a new person, to get rid of all the old junk and start a new life. And that decision needs, needs to be made. You have a moment. And so we're just going to take a second. And, you know, there's no magical prayer. There's no, uh, there's no thing that you have to do except this. In your heart, make a decision saying, Jesus is the way for me. Jesus is the truth for me. And you know what? With your mouth, declare it, saying, you know what, God? Um, I, just like Nancy's story, I've lived a life that has been surrounded by darkness. Whatever, put it in your words, because it's, it's your declaration that, that Jesus, you know, you'll feel like you're talking to thin air. But you know what? God hears you. God hears your prayers, and he heard you before you had come to him. He, he, he has heard your prayers that you had prayed that you didn't even know you were praying. God, what, where am I? Where, I need something. As you've, as you've cried out saying, God, I need change. Maybe you didn't even know you were saying God, but he heard you. Now let him... Now let them come into your life. Open that door in your heart that says, God, I need someone to rearrange the inside of me. I need to become a new person. So we're just going to close in prayer and then we're just going to release. But I think this is important for us to take a moment. With a, let's just close our eyes. This isn't a magical prayer. This is, this is a starter prayer for you to begin declaring uh, God is your Savior, is Jesus your Savior, and, and to give him all the garbage and the junk in your life. Jesus, I 
want to become a new creation. Just like Nancy shared the story of seeing something good, I've seen something good today. Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you make me a new creation? Would you give me a passion to read that scripture just like Nancy had? I want what she has, Jesus. Jesus, here is my old life. It's not worth much to me, but I'm sure it's worth something to you. You can have it. And I receive by faith a new life that you're giving me. A life of hope and of purpose. Walk with me. Teach me and guide me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time today, if you're beginning your journey with Jesus, I would love to connect with you, whether it's this week or next week or, you know, uh, I'm on Facebook, the church is on Facebook or whatever. Find a way. Connect with me. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to pray with you personally. I'd love to put a Bible in your hand. So with that said, uh, I just bless you guys. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And we will see you next week. Amen.